Well, it's almost that most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Spring forward. Sunday. Get to set those clocks forward. So I'm going to take a quick poll. Uh, every year in, in America, uh, we do these two things with daylight savings time. We, we fall back in the fall. So that means we get that extra hour. Uh, you sleep in, uh, you're fresh, you come to worship, and it's just, yeah. And then there's spring forward. And spring forward is, uh, yeah, uh, you get to bed too late, you planned well, you didn't make it, but you're there, and you lose an hour of sleep, and you drag yourself to wherever you got to go, come to worship, whatever. And, and you're keeping, it's like that extra hour. It's like, whoa, I need some caffeine. I need some coffee. So quick poll here for everybody watching. Which do you prefer? Fall back or spring forward? Uh, that's what I thought. It's fall back. Nobody likes spring forward. We still do it, but nobody likes it. But you have to do that if you're going to fall back. Today I want to talk about springing forward, because it, it seems like it's just the opposite of what it sounds like. Spring forward sounds exciting. Spring forward seems like it's amazing. Spring forward seems like, hey, we're happening, it's happening. And actually, it's like, it feels more like a setback, right? Because you lost an hour of sleep. And today I want to talk to you about springing forward, advancing in your faith, when the odds seem against you. Advancing in the faith as a movement when the odds are against us. And before we get into the book of Acts, I just want to give you a, a word of encouragement. You know, it has been an amazing, disturbing, wrestling last couple of years. And now we watch with horror and concern and prayers, Father, watch over the people of Ukraine. But the people of Valley Church are praying. We prayed last weekend and, and the people of Valley Church stepped up and because of your incredible generosity, we announced last weekend that we were able to give $20,000 to the Ukraine relief effort. And uh, God's doing some amazing things. And I just wanted to tell you a couple of things. First, um, we heard from the folks who are right there in Ukraine, who are with our Evangelical Free Church of America relief effort. And I just want to share with you what they shared with me, all right? And here it goes. They said, please pass on our gratitude to the church. Um, I've spent four long days on the border with refugees and partners. I've seen and heard a lot but wanted to share this from one of our REACH Global team members. We found that basic trauma care to be hugely needed and frequently impactful aspect of our holistic approach to intentional disciple making and care in the mission that follows crisis. Goes on. Today I walked out of our apartment to go to church and right in front of our door was a car with Ukrainian plates with three exhausted looking women they just entered, crossed the border, 20-year-old daughter, mom and grandma, and a dog sitting in it. The windows were rolled down, so I introduced myself and asked if I could help in any way and offered for them to come to our flat for some tea. They said no, they had a hotel reserved, 
So I went on to church. A few hours later, when I returned, there they were still sitting there in the car. The mom explained that the hotel wouldn't let them in until 3 p.m. And I again asked them to come up for our flat for tea and a bathroom break. They all declined except the mom, who was my age. Natasha came up and had tea with me, and we had a good trauma conversation. That sounds like an oxymoron, good trauma conversation, but God's at work. They checked into their hotel, and a few hours later, Natasha texted to see if I wanted to go for a walk as others instantly went to sleep, and she said she wasn't sleepy. We walked and stopped into a cafe for some hot soup and more conversation. She had never spoken before to an American, and she did not speak English and had never met an American who could speak Russian. This was a Ukrainian, uh, Russian-speaking woman uh, but from Ukraine. But more than that, she had not talked to an evangelical Christian in her life before this day. And as I told her that God has a plan for her family, that she can trust him with it and leave all the unanswered questions in his hands for now, her eyes softened a bit. Would you please pray for Natasha? The other woman and grandma, they, they would look to God for their help as their journey onto her sister in Italy. Pray for them. He, he went on to write, I also wanted to send this image. So here we go. This is a, uh, from where they live, a pastor took this photo. It was a, a bridge that had been bombed. And he said, and we're partners with them in Kiev. They have now, see the next photo. We have 150 people sheltered in the church basement. And we have been sending in funds to help them. The pastor of the church writes, in these conditions, these words, we are fine. Wow. Thank you. We are helping people to get from Kharkov. Thanks to your generosity, we are able to help a family with four children leave and, and go to the western Ukraine Another five people were evacuated by our brother, and we paid for the fuel. There are so many people who are trapped in the shelters and who want to leave. Now we are looking for ways to help them. We also send funds to some people in need there. So there's some, some folks, brothers and sisters in Christ in that church, and they are facing incredible circumstances, but are overcoming by faith. When the odds are all against them, they are the living demonstration of what I want to talk about today, springing forward, advancing in faith when the odds are against you. And I need to say one more thing. Um, after last weekend's announcement of that $20,000 gift, um, some people came forward and said, we want to match that gift. We want to double that gift. So I'm pleased to say that actually the gift is now $40,000 to the people in need in Ukraine. Way to go, Valley, and let's continue to pray for those folks who are under such suffering. We come now today to the end of the book of Acts. 
It's been quite a journey, hadn't it, guys? And we've seen in the pages of the book of Acts the same sorts of difficulty, not war necessarily, but there's been, there's been imprisonment, there's been martyrdom, there's been uh, opportunities, there's been riots, there's been all sorts of accus false accusations. I mean, we have seen it all in this book. We've seen tremendous life transformation from Jewish people who are embracing their Messiah to people who, who didn't even know of a Messiah. They came from a pagan background of Rome and they embraced Jesus by the thousands and thousands and thousands. And the movement of Jesus is just going forward, rushing forward, because Jesus had said, He'd been, he'd been crucified on the cross for our sins and then raised from the dead. And then, get this, and then right before he's ascended to heaven and promised to return again, he said, you're going to be my witnesses. Wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And the people there, I'm sure, were like, how is this even possible? We're going to be his witnesses. And we've seen through these 28 chapters, 58 messages, how the message of Jesus just broke loose and made amazing inroads to thousands and thousands of people. And now we come to the end. We come to the end of our journey. And I'm going to give you some quick 10 principles, the big 10, all right? on how to spring forward, how to advance in faith when the odds are against you. And I don't know where you are right now. I don't know if it's a family situation. I don't know if it's just everything that's been happening in culture. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's a financial deal. I don't know if it's you're trying to share your faith and just all the roads seem blocked to you. I don't know if it's a struggle with a relationship, whatever it might be, but you're trying to live out your faith. You're trying to follow Jesus. And I wanna give you 10 principles from this last paragraph of the book of Acts that I think will help you to bust through uh, and spring forward. All right, here we go. Um, we've, up to this point, the apostle Paul, we've been following his story. We come to the end of the journey. You remember Paul now, what happens? He, uh, he, he's a persecutor of the church. Jesus appears to him on Damascus Road. He goes on incredible journeys sharing the gospel. He has one last journey back to Jerusalem. They get really mad at him. They reject him. They arrest him. There's this kind of sham trial. He, and, 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 and he's going to be, uh, there's death threats against him. He's going to be taken out by some vigilante justice. And so he's forced to appeal to Caesar so he can escape this death penalty, and they sent him to Rome. And last weekend we saw the amazing story of his journey to Rome, which had lots of detours. Uh, and we ended up with a shipwreck, but eventually they get on the ship, the shipwrecked at Malta, and they send them off, and they sail for Rome, and there they're welcomed there. And we come to Acts 28, verse 14. And so we came to Rome. Now the movement of Jesus has penetrated to the very capital of the empire. It was always Paul's dream to go to Rome. He's not ashamed of the gospel and he wants to bring it to Rome, to the capital of the empire. There are already believers there, but he wants to just fan the flames of what was happening in the gospel there. And, he's, and the writer of the, uh, the book of uh, Acts Luke says, and so we came to Rome. And here's my first principle for today. Oh, actually, let's take this map here real quick. 
All right. So they started over here. The gospel starts in this little tiny place called Jerusalem. It spreads out over all these missionary journeys. We saw stuff that happened before Paul was even a believer through Peter and the other apostles and leaders. And they're making inroads and thousands of people are coming to faith. And then Paul takes these three missionary journeys, visiting all over this region, thousands of people, hundreds of churches planted. And then he makes his one last journey back all the way to Rome. Lots of detours to get there, but he got to Rome. Here's the first principle. Be confident. God has a plan. You really believe God has a plan. You really believe God's sovereign. You really believe he cares about you and he cares about the good news going forward. And he wants to transform you. He wants to use you to transform others. Do you really believe God has a plan? He's sovereign. He's in control. The wheels may have seemed to have fallen off your life or in our culture or in the world. But do you truly believe that God has a plan? This, if nothing else, the book of Acts tells us, be confident. God has a plan. And when everything is stacked against us, the riots happen, the imprisonments happen, the martyrdoms happen, God's got a plan. And you, I just want to encourage you today, start there. Be absolutely confident that he's sovereign and he has something he wants to do in your life and in mine to transform you from the inside out and to make an impact through you for many others. All right, let's keep going. Verse 15. Now the brothers and sisters from there, from Rome, had heard the news about us and had come to meet us as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns. So they've come way out of town, 30, 40 miles to meet them. You can still travel that Appian Way today. It's the road is still there. I've walked on it myself. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. He just, at this moment, I think just has this emotional response. It's like, wow, I've been so many places. I went through that crazy Mediterranean tour, uh, got shipwrecked, bit by a snake, people, you know, all this stuff had happened, but I made it. And now there are people actually to welcome me here. I've got people that care about me. These are my people. Here's the second principle. Find true friends. You're going to need, when the odds are against you, you're going to need some people who've got your back. You're going to need some people who care about you. They're not, you're going to need some people who aren't maybe necessarily impressed with you, but they love you and they care about what happens to you. And that's what Paul had here. They came out way out of town to meet him. Those are true friends. And they were new friends. Uh, they, they weren't people he'd met before. They just said, welcome, welcome to Rome. So find your friends. And maybe if you haven't, not in a life group or in a support group or whatever it takes, find those people. And here at Valley Church, we've got lots of groups. Jump in and get involved. Keep going. Verse 16, when he, we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier who guarded him. So, so yeah, he's chained, he's imprisonment, he's against, these are false charges, false accusations. But I love how Luke does this. He says, when we enter a room, Paul was allowed to live by himself. So he's not, in a, he's not in, a, in a jail cell. He's not rotting in some dirty, dingy, rat-infested cell. And that was common. But he was in a home, an apartment by himself, basically, that were very common in Rome. Thousands of them. And a soldier there who guarded him was often usually chained to him. I love it. Here's the third principle. 
when the odds are against you, one spring forward, count your blessings. Yeah, I mean, look here. I mean, you know, he is in prison. Uh, he's not allowed to move freely. But Luke says, but we got to live in an apartment by, ourselves, by himself. And he, he, he had a relative amount of freedom. He could have people come and go and visit him. Just count your blessings. So instead of looking, you know, the old thing, you look at the cup is either half empty or half full. And Luke and Paul chose to say, well, we're going to look at it as, as half full. Count your blessings. What has God, God done in your life that maybe there's some problems, maybe there's some struggles, maybe there's some difficulties, but there's some good stuff too. So instead of focusing on, oh, it was painful, the chains and so, no, his, hey, look at this. God placed by himself with a soldier who guarded him. Count your blessings. Keep moving. Verse 17, after three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. So he gets to Rome. He's in this prison thing. He gets, he recovers from everything that's happened uh, through all of his journeys. He only takes three days. Paul is not a tourist. He's not going around seeing sights. He's getting himself healthy. He's spending some time in prayer. He's getting with the Lord. He's getting his heart ready because he knows he's going to meet the people of his own people, the Jewish people, he's going to meet with them. And this might be a, a difficult meeting. The odds are going to be against him. But he wastes no time. It's not like after three months, he finally got steeled. Right? No, he gets right to it. He's, he's like, I got to get to this. He's bold. And when he had gathered, he said to them, brothers, although I've done nothing against our people, I got, I got, nothing, I got nothing against anybody or the customs of our ancestors. He says, I'm following the ways of our fathers, even though he's been accused of just the opposite. He says, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem in the hands of the Romans. They turned me over. My own people turned me over to the godless pagan Romans. And after they examined, they, they wanted to release me. The Romans say, there's something, this guy can be released since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Pause there for a moment. I love how Paul begins here. Because at this moment, this is, a, this is a tricky situation. But he's not ashamed. He's never ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't hold back. Here's a principle, number four. Never be ashamed of the gospel. He didn't apologize. He didn't say, you know what, uh, sorry for the, this part of the message, I'll, I'll retract it. No. He was not ashamed of the gospel. He wants to talk openly with them. He wants to have a spiritual conversation. And guys, whether it's short time or long, this is our calling. Paul says later when he writes to the Romans, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Um, actually wrote that earlier. And he's, he, he's living it out here. And it's not just words on paper. He's living it out in real life. He's not ashamed. And I just want to say for just a moment, if I could, if I could say this, I, I wish that there were fewer, what I would call embarrassed believers. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things about the scriptures and about Jesus and about the gospel. And, and, and we, we love all those things and, and we're not ashamed of those things. But there are some things about the gospel that are hard, especially the gospel. I'm talking about the essential message that Jesus is the way 
to salvation. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That as it said in Acts 4.12, Peter said, there is no name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. That's a really tough sell in a highly um, relativistic culture, in a highly pluralistic culture. And there's some believers who want to pull back from that. There's some believers who want to, they're embarrassed to say, no, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And it's not that like we have to be in people's face or, you know, hit them over the head of the Bible or what. Now, I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about with friends and conversations. And you, you move toward that. There's a temptation there to kind of peel it back a little bit. You know, like, I'm just going to, you know, just keep with the, the pleasant parts. And, 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 and hold back from telling people about who Jesus really is and what he calls us and the consequences for receiving him or rejecting him. Let's never be ashamed of the gospel. A few years ago, uh, I, got, uh, I got an opportunity with my family and, some, and some, actually some, uh, some great friends and, and family to to spend a night on this ship, the Queen Mary. It's, 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 it's actually uh, beached in the Port Harbor permanently at Long Beach, California. It's not expensive. It's not really that nice, but it, it was in its day. And um, I just wanna, wanna read to you a little story I came across by a guy named Ken Hughes, who relates a story of a man who used to be the chaplain of the United States Senate, a great Christian man named Lloyd, Lloyd Ogilvy. Um, he tells about, from his student days, about the memorable experience of sailing on the Queen Mary from New York to Southampton, when it was uh, England, when it was still sailing. This is from, obviously, years ago. He recalls that she was a magnificent ship, though his student's budget put him on the, you know, way down in the inner part of the ship. He spent most of his time walking the top deck so he could enjoy the cold salt wind and watch the historic craft cut her way through the high waves. As he floored the ship, he tried to imagine what it must have been like to board the Queen Mary in her prime as a lovely pleasure vessel and then as a troop ship carefully evading enemy submarines. It was years before he saw the Queen Mary again as a museum piece docked in Long Beach Harbor, California. Her gigantic engine was gone as was most of her sailing equipment Souvenir shops now lined her decks. The dining and lounge areas had been adapted for special groups and conventions. Her cabins were refurbished hotel rooms. I've been in one of those. Actors had been hired to play the parts of officers and crews, complete with professional British accents. And Ogilvy was understandably disappointed. His own words best describe what happened. While, uh, while on board the motionless queen, I reviewed a documentary movie about how she was built and the way she had served through wars and changing history. And the movie ended with a triumphant but somehow tragic statement supported by an upsweep of dramatic music. The greatest ship that ever went to sea is now the greatest ship to come and see. The words were still on my mind the next day when I greeted he writes, the congregation of my Hollywood Presbyterian Church after worship. A woman visitor from Iowa made a comment she meant to be a compliment, 
The similarity to the closing lines of the movie made it just the opposite. She had heard about Hollywood Church for years and had been inspired by the influence of its preaching and its program upon America. And with excitement, she said, quote, I have waited for years to visit Hollywood Presbyterian Church to see all the great things that used to happen here. Ouch. Of course, great things used to happen there. But great things were still happening there. And what Lloyd Ogilvie said, we're always just one generation away from being that vessel that takes good news to places and to people, that becomes a shelter and a place for people to go on adventures and to, and to fight spiritual battles, to be in a place where great things used to happen. May that never happen in your life or in my life or in our church. We want to be in it. And the key to this is never to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are great days at Valley Church, but the best is yet to come. We haven't even begun. I have a friend of mine who has a church. Uh, he served as a pastor of a church in, in Boston. It's over 300 years old. We're barely 30 years old, but they're still preaching the good news of Jesus. We're like in our just adolescence as a church. We barely even started. So the best is yet to come. And in mind with that, I want to tell you, just remind you about an incredible series that's starting up uh, next Sunday. Uh, and here's a little um, video to give a, a kind of a sneak preview of what we're going to talk about. It has intrigued believers and spiritual explorers for 2,000 years. Mysterious and thrilling. Confusing. Exciting troubling, comforting, motivational, unconventional, ancient, futuristic, vivid, unforgettable, timeless, powerful, hopeful, glorious. It is the Book of Revelation, calling us to be fearless and faithful. So I can't wait to start that new series, uh, invite others, the book of Revelation, and the subtitle is Fearless and Faithful. Because the, the, the book of Revelation, uh, is, is, he states the promise of it in the, very, in the third verse. He says, blessed are those who read this, who hear this, and who follow this. It's meant to be a blessing to the church. So many people have misunderstood or, or, or been scared or whatever it might be, or neglected. It's meant to be a blessing to us. But it's about the church being fearless and faithful. Come what may, all right? Never be ashamed. Here we go. All right, let's continue on. Uh, in verse 19, because the Jews objected, he, uh, when, he, when Paul said, uh, I... I I said I hadn't done anything worthy of this. They objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Everything that we looked forward to in the Old Testament scriptures, the promised Messiah, 
This is why I'm in these chains, because I've been sharing about the Messiah who's come, Jesus, crucified and raised from the dead, fulfilling all those promises in the Old Testament. So Paul wants to explain, but he's very sensitive as he does so. Yes, he's bold, but he also begins to build bridges. He says, I, I, I just wanted to talk to you. I've asked to see you. I'd love to speak to you. You're, you're the leaders here in Rome, in the synagogues. Because if you come on too strong, you may lose any opportunity. Verse 21, then he said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. We're a blank slate as far as you're concerned. Wow, now there's an opportunity. But we want to hear what your views are since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. So they've heard some bad things about followers of Jesus. And they don't know anything about Paul, but they want to hear what his views are. So they're opening up a door here. It's an open door, sort of. They're interested, but they've, they've already had their minds kind of poisoned a little bit against it. But here's the principle. As we seek to be spiritual influencers, and we seek to, when the odds are against us, still make a difference, be respectful, be smart, but seize the opportunities. So he was respectful, he was kind, he was gentle. We talk about that over and over here at Valley Church. We're not over the top, we're not obnoxious, we're kind, we're gentle, we're respectful. And we're smart about it. You know, if you're going to get persecuted, be persecuted for being a follower of Jesus, not for being an idiot, right? <laughs> be smart about this, all right? But when those opportunities come your way, when they say, we want to hear, don't you dare not seize that opportunity. That's your open door. Don't wimp out. Don't back up. Don't apologize. Say, okay, let's have a conversation. Okay, go for it. And guys, when you are authentic, and you have an authentic faith, and it's, it's lived out in your life, not perfectly, but Jesus is transforming you, and you're respectful, and you're considerate, you are going to have opportunities to influence through your good words and your actions. Keep going. Verse 23, after arranging a day with him, so it took some time to get it all set up, many came to him at his lodging. So they're visiting the prisoner at his place of confinement. He's in a chain to a, a Roman uh, guard. From dawn to dusk, he expounded, he testified about the kingdom of God, about Jesus' reign, about God breaking into history through the person of Jesus, the reign of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. So he opens the scriptures and he tries to persuade them. Here's the sixth principle. Be patient and stay focused on Jesus. So it took some time to set up this meeting. He, today, on this particular day, he went from dawn to dusk. That's a long time. It, it may take even longer than that with a lot of folks. It may take years. But he patiently talked with them and had conversations. Are you willing to be patient with people? It, 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 takes, it may take some time for them to, to come around. I pray for my mother and father for over three decades. And they were into their 80s when individually each of them, in answer to my prayers, and in many others, came to faith in Jesus. Only three decades. Be patient. And stay focused on Jesus. There are so many other issues. S secondary biblical matters that really don't ma matter 
to, to the central message of Jesus. And then there's cultural matters, there's political matters, there's other issues in your life. Stay focused on Jesus, that's what he did. Be patient and stay focused on Jesus. And then the three words I love, expounded, testified, persuaded. In other words, he pulled out all the stops. He'd have a conversation, he'd answer an objection, he'd listen to them and there'd be a dialogue. He did whatever it took. And that's what we're talking about, whatever it takes. Stay focused on Jesus. Keep coming back to him. Verse 24, some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Here's the seventh principle. Leave the outcomes to God. You know what? We're not called to be successful with, we can't change a single human heart or mind. But we're kind, we're considerate, we're bold, we're unashamed. We have all these conversations back and forth. And ultimately, we leave the outcomes with God. Because God is the only person through his Holy Spirit who can change a single heart. And some of the people there that day, we're talking the Apostle Paul here. So don't feel bad if not everybody listens to what you have to say, or not everybody's interested, or some people reject it. Because you know what? He's about the best guy to ever be able to explain this stuff. And there's some, he says, some, some were persuaded, but others did not believe. There's no shame in that. You just leave the outcomes with God. Be calm, be confident, leave their hearts to him and pray like crazy. Verse 25, disagreeing among themselves. So some were, you know, became followers of Jesus. Some did not. They began to leave after Paul made one statement. He says, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors, to your ancestors, through the prophet Isaiah, what he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. Uh, for the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. And I think, although in our ears this may sound like kind of a harsh thing to say, I think it's with tenderness, I think it's with tears in his eyes, I think it's with heart. He says, guys, please, 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 please don't make the same mistake our ancestors did. Because God was trying to get through to them too. And they just wouldn't listen. They wouldn't hear it. Their hearts became hard and calloused. Otherwise, they would open their hearts. They would have seen with their eyes, heard with their ears, and God would have healed them. Ultimately, our message is God wants to heal you. He does not want to hurt you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to bless you. He wants to transform you. He wants to heal you. That's our message. And here's the principle. Read the room carefully. That's what Paul did in that moment. And it takes a spirit-led man and a spirit-led woman and a spirit-led child to be able to know what is wisdom, what is reading the room carefully, to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. 
And that's what he did in this moment. It's not always this thing that you'd say. But in that moment, it was just the thing that needed to be said. We have to pray that the Holy Spirit leads us and that we can read the room carefully. And, it, and then we focus on God's heart, which is what? I will heal you. And what's that? We all go back to the cross, don't we, guys? We all go back to Jesus dying, bleeding, shedding his blood for us, for our salvation, for the world. And the scripture, Isaiah, another place says, and by his wounds, we are healed. So we always come back to the cross. And I just want to say to somebody here today, if today you're hearing the voice of God, don't harden your heart. If today you're hearing the voice of God saying, come to me and believe and be healed of your heartbreak and of your sin and of your shame and your guilt, trust in him this very moment and ask Jesus to come and heal you because he will. Don't harden your heart. Don't let this opportunity pass you. Trust in him. Verse 28, therefore, he says to that room of people, some of whom believed, some of whom didn't, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And the sad story was, of course, that in that first century, many, many people, the people of, of, of God among the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. Thousands believed, but many, many, the majority did not. And so God opened up the door to the Gentiles. And Paul's been sharing the, to the Gentiles for um, decades by this point and they're listening they're hey we're all ears and they're turning in droves they don't know anything about the promises of the messiah and they're listening and the people who have all the prom promises of the messiah in the old testament are closing their hearts by and large um but god they had shut that door on the gospel many of them but god had opened a, a new door and here's the principle look for new open doors Maybe God shuts a door with this person or that crowd or this group of people or this area or whatever it might be. Look for the new open doors because God has many people for us to reach. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And last verses of this incredible book. I'm sad it's over, I can tell you. I'm excited for Revelation, but I'm sad this is over. Verse 30, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who visited him. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the power of God, the love of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. That's our, that's our hope. The Lord Jesus Christ. And then it ends, the book of Acts ends with two, word, with two phrases. With all boldness, he was after it. Yeah, he's chained to a Roman guard. Yeah, he's confined to one room, but it didn't stop him. He was bold. He wasn't afraid. He was not ashamed. And let's, let's do the same. And then the last word of the book of Acts is actually one word. We translate it with two in English. And it is without hindrance. He shared about the kingdom, about the Lord Jesus Christ without hindrance. The word, one word is unhindered or if you will, unchained. Yeah, he's chained, but the word of God is not chained. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not chained. So our circumstances, the odds are all stacked against us, but guess what? God's still in charge and he's still changing hearts and he's still moving forward. 
So here's the last and, and tenth principle for today. When the odds are all against you and you want to spring forward, leverage your circumstances to welcome everyone to experience Jesus. Welcome others into your life. I'm stuck in my house because I got to do this. Well, he was stuck in an apartment for two years. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in your job or in your situation or whatever it might be. God can still use you. Look for the opportunities that are there rather than the obstacles. Open your eyes. Pray like crazy. Be bold and unashamed. You know what? There are so many people in this world who just want a listening ear. And they'll listen to just about anybody who cares. They'll listen about just anybody who has hope, who has joy, who has love. Says that's the gospel and it's unhindered and it will transform people's lives. You, you go back through the whole book of Acts. This little tiny group on a hill someplace when Jesus is getting ready to ascend it, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to change the world. You're going to make an amazing differences. And they're looking around and saying, who, us? And you know what Jesus said to them and says to you today? Yes, you. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this amazing book that we've had the privilege of looking at. And I pray, oh God, that all of us would know, take one principle from this incredible ending paragraph of this incredible journey through the early church and your people. And we pray, God, bring renewal Bring renewal to our individual hearts. Bring renewal to our church. Bring renewal to our land. Bring renewal to the world centered on the gospel, the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To you be the glory. And all God's people agreed and said a hearty amen. Amen. I've loved it, guys, and I love you. God bless you all.